Thanks for tuning in to the Trinity Church Nottingham podcast. It's great to have you with us. My name is Amy, and together with my husband, Johnny, we lead the church here in Nottingham, England. Our vision is to see the church on fire and the city alive. And if we can help you in any way at all, feel free to get in touch and email us at info at trinitychurchnottingham.org. Okay, let's jump into the podcast. Uh, would you turn to your neighbor under normal circumstances? I would say touch your neighbor. I wouldn't say that. I would give, give it an elbow bump. And could you say, steady, steady, wait for the instructions. Don't jump the gun. Could you say, it's good in Trinity Church, to your left and to your, and to your right, it's good in Nottingham. Now, I, steady, 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 I know it's good, not that good. Um, I, want to, uh, I want to speak um, on the topic of voices and choices, voices and choices. And there is one of a, an Irish poet uh, in there, Michael O'Shell, I can hardly pronounce it, do not look for this year's birds in last year's nests. Do not look for this year's birds in last year's nests. Because you see, the voices that you will hear are the choices that you're going to make. The voices that you allow, and you, you cannot control your circumstances, but you can control the voices that you allow into your life to tell you what those circumstances are. And those voices are make you make for choices. I was struck by reading one of the big Sunday newspapers. I'm a fan of Coldplay. Um, not that this is a plug, and it's called Everyday Life. And when, the, when it was, came out, they said, they have found their voice. And I want to ask you this, have you found your voice? I'm so struck by the voice that you in Trinity Church have found in the city in Nottingham. You found a way in which you want to communicate the good news of Jesus in your day-to-day -day life, but in your everyday life. Great title for an album, even better title for a Christian life. And I wrote this book, Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea, he's 16 verses, he's a footnote, he's the small print of the Gospels, but he took down the body of Jesus Christ from the tomb. Where was John? Where was Peter? Where were the women? Where was Thomas? They weren't there. It was an ordinary business person who did an extraordinary thing and took the body of Jesus in his arms and carried the dead body of Jesus. And it was tough because the whole messianic vision, the hope of the future, was dead in his hands. Dead was the king. Dead was the Messiah. Dead was the hope. He put it in the tomb, dead. And then Jesus rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. It's the ordinary things of our lives that have extraordinary consequences. Do not look into this year's birds in last year's nests. Don't look back to where you've come from, but look to where you're going, looking forward in everyday life. And you know those voices that come to us, who are those voices in your ordinary life? 
You're watching football with a mate, and he says, go on, let's have, let's have a bet. Let's get a bet going. It was a one-off, and now it's never off. You're hooked. The parent who's never spent any time growing up that you grew up with says, you're useless at this. You're useless in your home, your working, your relationships, your sports. You're useless at it. And 10, 20, 30, 40 years later, on a loop in your head still goes that. And we must remember from Genesis, when God says to, to Adam, who told you that? Who told you that? Who told you that you were useless? Who told you that you would never be able to stand on your own feet? When you come to a church and someone says to you, you're not really as religious, as strong, as spiritual as you should be, who told you that? Who told you that? When you're on your own and you think, I can't do any of this, I look around and I can't see what others are, the others are doing so much, who told you that? What voice are you listening to? We're at a time when we're totally overwhelmed by choice in our everyday life. And yet, you know, someone speaks one positive word to you and you forget it. Because overwhelmingly, there's the negative narrative, which is the bit that you and I remember. Who told you all of that? Your story, and I believe within each one of you is a story that God by his spirit is longing to bring out a hope to be fulfilled, an aspiration to be achieved, an idea waiting to grow out, a song waiting to be sung. You are in charge of your own story. Own your own story. Own your story. And own your voice. You are listening to your voice. You can choose that. And sometimes our voices come, they woo, they whisper, they taunt and they tantalize, they flirt and they flatter. Oh, go ahead, it's okay. It's okay. Oh, don't worry. No one will know. How could anything that feels so right be so good? Tell your story in the midst of great confusion. I mean, the pressure of choice is enormous. Do you know that in Starbucks, it has been calculated that the number of choices that you have, uh, try and guess the number, don't shout it out, see whether you get it right. Combinations, 80,000. 80,000. How can I choose the right drink? If you took a diligent approach and tested every single coffee drink, you'd end up, or whatever other drink, end up by spending 109 years trying two different Starbucks drinks every day. I don't know whether, you know whether you're anything like my wife and I. We want to watch a Netflix movie, and it takes us so long to make the choice. I mean, if so long to make the choice that by the time we've made the choice, we're too tired to watch the movie and we've gone off to bed. Sounds like you have the same arrangements with your wives, friends. They did a Tesco study. On one side, they had a table with masses of food on it. 
jars of jam. Twenty-five. On the other, they had a table with, 20, with six. Most people came and spent their time looking at the 24 jars of jam, not at the six. But most people bought the jam from the table with the six. We're overwhelmed by these choices and the pressure that we put on ourselves day to day is becoming more and more painful. You know, everyday life is filled with those choices. You're watching Jesus, those Pharisees, they sit in the front row, nothing against you, Johnny and Amy, and waiting for him to heal the wrong person on the wrong day, or to do it without washing his hands. There's a biblical parable for today. <laughs> the pressure grows on all of us. The pressure to prove yourself is the greatest pressure that you're going to face. What voices are you allowing into your life? Remember Jesus, soon as he was filled with the Spirit of God, went into the desert and the voices came to him from the, from the, from the devil, the same one that was, that was tempting in the beginning in Genesis. But he turned away from them, took the scriptures seriously. The voices we allow into our lives are the choices that will determine the way we do life in everyday life. I want to look at some at the, at the scriptures. You know, after this, says John chapter 7, after this, why does he say after this? After this, Jesus had just been walking on, uh, feeding the 5,000. He'd done these amazing miracles uh, to, the, to the people. He's walked on the water. The disciples have left him. Many of them said, this is, this is too weird. I, I'm, out, I'm out of town. After this, Jesus traveled extensively. You know, when people, the, the temptation is always to hold back, to pull back when things go wrong. But Jesus went out from himself. He went, he traveled extensively the province of Galilee, but he avoided the province of Judea. Why? Because he knew that the Jewish leaders were plotting to have him killed. He knew something was not right. A big feast was approaching. So Jesus' brothers, notice this, his brothers, the closest people to Jesus, came to advise him saying, why don't you leave the countryside villages and go to Judea, where the crowds are, so that your followers can see your miracles? You know, what is the point of being somewhere in the backwoods it happens in the center, it happens in Jerusalem, because guess what? Your followers want to see. There is always the temptation that actually we have to demonstrate to others so that they can see what is happening. No one can see what you're doing here in the backwoods. And if you'll forgive me, what is the point of staying in Nottingham? No one's going to see it. London, New York, the big cities where the television is, where the Insta comes from, where you meet the good people. What is the point? 
here in Galilee. How do you expect to be successful? Isn't this the most amazing thing? His closest, closest brothers say to him, how do you expect to be successful? The answer is always we're looking to be successful. We want to be tested by the world. Jesus has already told them, look, they want to kill me. They say, well, forget about it. We've seen the miracles, but we've seen them in Galilee. We don't want them in Galilee. We want them where people can see it. And if you want to be successful, you've got to go to the place where the lights are, where the television are, is, is working. You know, it's, it, it, it is an extraordinary sense that, that, we, that we want, the world wants to write the strategy for you and for me. Get with the program. Go for it. You must be seen. You need to be noticed. You need to be shown yourself. The disciples' view was, you know, we, come on. We want to comfort this world. And Jesus was saying, I've got to confront it. You know, the weirdest thing is this. The disciples, he, Jesus says, now is your time. Go to Jerusalem. Come out of hiding. Show the world who you are. Sorry, that's what he says. And his brothers were pushing him, although they didn't yet believe in the Savior. And Jesus says to them, my time has not yet come. Do you see what they're trying to do? It's merely a 70, 70 miles away. What they're saying to him is, get with our program. Here's the truth. You cannot slot Jesus into your journey. You cannot determine the journey you want to go. I want to be successful. I want to start my own company. I want to be really spiritual. I want to be in a relationship. I want to be changing people's lives. I want to do all sorts of things. Now, Jesus, will you come and be with me to do it? You cannot slot him into your life. He's not your sort of traveling mate in that sense. He goes ahead. The amazing thing was, they went on. They left Jesus, who they wanted to show to everybody, and they went off to Jerusalem to tell everybody about the very person that they had left behind. And so often we want to talk about Jesus without wanting to be with him, to stick with him, to stay where the sort of really tough stuff is, because there's a sort of sense that you've got to be successful. But Jesus was not moved. By people, he was moved by purpose. It's, it, it is, it is, an ex, it is the, something we really have to come to terms with. That in a world that wants to make things appear as success, that Jesus was the one that said no. He goes on to say, my time for being unveiled hasn't come. Any time is suitable opportunity for you to gain man's approval. That's what they wanted. They want the approval of others. Any time is good for that. If you want somebody to think you're, you're, you're good at what you're doing, then just do it and wait for them to tell you. Any time is good for that. And Jesus says, my time is not yet. The, G the disciples wanted to go to Judea. Jesus says, it's good in Galilee. It's good in Trinity Church. It's good 
in Nottingham. See, God is not only the time maker, he's also the time keeper. You know, when people say to me, gosh, you must live in a real pressured life, you must live under the pressure, look, I don't have to tell you, and you wouldn't tell me. It's stressful out there in the workplace. It's tough. Pressure on us all the time. Stress building all the time. Johnny mentioned I'd written this book called God at Work. When I did that, I thought, you know, there comes a moment where you get stressed and then you get through it. But now it's with us every day, always on. Wherever we are, this follows us. And what are we going to listen to? Is this the voice you're going to listen to? Because everything is in here. Or in your friends. Or in the people that follow you. It's not so much the pressure of time. If you're under time pressure, sort your diary out. It's the pressure of timing. Is it right now to do this? Is it right? Nothing slows us down like trying to get ahead of God. And the only thing harder than waiting on God is wishing that you had. Only, we'll turn to the side of the room, see if you get it. The only thing harder than waiting on God is wishing that you had. It's true. Timing matters. You know, Peter didn't get out of the boat until Jesus said to him, come. I never pray, God bless what I'm doing. I pray, God help me to get involved in what you are blessing. It's good to be in Galilee. You go up to Jerusalem. And you see, the wonderful thing about Jesus is he creates space. You know, we don't have a prescriptive religion that says, you know, this is the way if you deviate from one moment from this path, you're out. You want to go to Galilee? You want to see the lights of Jerusalem? You want to go to London? You want to go to New York? You go. But it's not my time yet. I'm not going to judge you for it. Jesus stays behind. Why is that? You see, we're trying to prove ourselves, the disciples, we're trying to prove ourselves to somebody else. In order to be known as disciple, what they wanted to say, well, we are disciples of this wonderful working man, Jesus. I want to tell you the story. Completely lost sight of the fact that the only place of strength would be with him wherever he is. You know, when he gave them bread, they loved him, they liked him. And when he said, I, was the bre I am the bread of life, this is weird stuff, they left him. You can like him and leave him. Is that you? Do you let the voices speak into your mind? And then the choices start making them. And if you want to be a public figure, you've got to be on Instagram. You've got to have lots of likes. You've got to have lots of friends around you. But is that really what we want to do? Jesus says it's good in Galilee. It's good in Nottingham. It's good in Trinity Church. You don't always need to be. There's always a somewhere else. Somewhere there's going to be different. Somewhere someone is going to recognize me for who I am. Somewhere somebody's going to acknowledge me 
And yet where I am now, I don't know. But the worst pressure you could put on yourself is to plant in your life or to produce something in your life that God never planted. We're trying to suck things. We're trying to pluck things out of our lives to do things for others to see, for people to recognize that God never planted in the first place. And that's a recipe for disaster. It's good to be where you are. It's good to be in your job. It's good to be in your school, in your hospital, in your university. It's good to be the computer programmer you are. Don't try to pick fruit from the tree that God didn't plant. Don't try to pick the fruit from something that is not given to you by God. You see, Jesus knew. Why did he stay there? Now, to be clear, Jesus did go to Jerusalem. You will remember, he, delay, he lingered in Galilee, verse 9. It was good in Galilee. And his brothers left. Then later he took a back road. They wanted to go in the main road. They wanted to be there where everybody could see them. Jesus took the back road at the right time. And the timing was that he wanted to be there in Galilee, alone with his father. You need to know that you can't slot God or Jesus into some journey that you have created for yourself. He was vindicated by the Spirit. He was an audience of one. That was what Jesus did, and I beg you, cultivate that. As this church continues to grow, and I believe it will continue to grow, it will grow because you have cultivated an audience of one. You may or may not have been acknowledged by others, but this audience will say it is good to be where you are. The timing is God's. Yes, of course, he will show you. Jesus did go to Jerusalem, but it was good in Galilee. It's good in your family. It's good with the person that you've married. Sure, it's tough. There's no time to split up. It's good in Nottingham. It's good in Trinity Church. And I'm saying this because Jesus lingered. Jesus waited. Timing belongs to him. It always looks as if something else is going to be better. But it isn't. I want to uh, end with a story. It comes from a book by a great friend of mine called Jensen Franklin. It's called Acres of Diamonds. And in the middle of the law of the 19th century, there was a man who had a field. And in this field, he had his oxen, he had his plow, and they plowed, and they worked, and they struggled, and he just could not make ends meet. It kind of just, just got there. And someone came by and said to him, do you know what? They've discovered diamonds in India. You could be fabulously wealthy. And he said to his wife, look, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come back with masses, loads of money. 
So he sold his oxen, he sold his plow, he sold his land, left his family in a, in a house nearby and said, I will be back. And he traveled to India. And when he got to India, diamonds didn't seem to be there. They said there would be diamonds everywhere and they weren't. He traveled eventually to Spain where they said that's where the real diamonds are rather than in Africa. And tragically, his disappointment led him to the place where in a turbulent river, he jumped in and drowned himself. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, the farmer who had bought the same plow, the same oxen, the same land, was busily tilling the soil, and he kept noticing extraordinary number of black rocks. And he picked one of these black rocks up and put it on a mantelpiece in his home. And a visiting priest came by one day and looked at this and he said, that's an extraordinary uh, bit of rock. Oh, he said, there's quite a lot of that around. We thought it's attractive, so we'll put it there. He said, well, have you looked to see that there is a rainbow in that rock? And the priest said to him, you know, I used to be a jeweler before I became a priest. That's a diamond. In the very place, once you'd stripped back the, the encased blackness of the rock, there was a diamond in that place. It was good in the tough times on that farm. It was not so good where everybody said it all happened somewhere else. There's always a temptation to say it's somewhere else. It's not here. It's somewhere else. But you and I will never be fulfilled. There are diamonds in your life if only you would look to see where it is. When you linger in Galilee, when you linger in, in Trinity Church, when you linger in Nottingham, look to see what's in front of your eyes. Look to see what you might not have seen, what you might have missed. In the same place, God will lead you for the right time. This is everyday life. In everyday life, we discover God. In everyday life, we discover what it's like to have an audience of one in the privacy of your own room and your own home when you're praying and meditating, when you're reading the scriptures, when nobody sees you're giving and you're working with other people, the marginalized. It's good in Galilee. It's good in Trinity Church. It's good in Nottingham. Would you like to stand? I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to. It'd be a great privilege to do so. And I wonder 
whether just as a sign of our wanting to not going to pray for the ceiling to go, don't know where else you'd go. <laughs> um, but we put our hands out. And for many, you're struggling just to know that where you are, you know, who told you that? Who told you that you've now passed the phase of life when you're of any use to anybody? Who told you that? Not the Lord God himself. Who told you? What voice are you listening to? And I want to pray now for a gift of discernment. What is discernment? Discernment is that ability given by the Spirit of God to be able to make the choices on timing and to be able to hear the voice of God, my sheep, Know my voice. The promise of Jesus. The doors that I open, no one can close. And the doors that I close, no one can open. And when God closes a door, it's not to hurt you. It's to help you. It's to help you. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and I'll eat with him. Oh, her, I'll be drawn in together. Do not look for this year's birds in last year's nests. So I want to pray for that discernment of going forward. Pray that in the name of Jesus, each one here, you're everyone different will hear him saying, it's good where you are. Yes, the Spirit of God, but you'll say, well, how do I know? How do I know? Well, we're going to pray now that you get a nudge when it's time to leave. Not just, I want to get on, I'm going to Jerusalem, come with me. I'm going on my journey, come Jesus, tuck yourself in. Let's jump into the car, I'm driving, you come with me. No, no. But there's a nudge. Just a nudge that kind of says it's the right time. It's the right time. That is called discernment, the nudge of God. Until then, it's good to be where you are in your relationship, in your job, in your school, in your home, in your friend. So come, Holy Spirit, and rest on everyone now. In the name of Jesus, let your spirit come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. The power of God come on you. Just receive the Spirit of God. I impart to you a gift of discernment, the ability to know the timing of God, to wait patiently for Him. Come, Holy Spirit. You can sense the Spirit of God all over this room. Just linger for a while in His presence. Just linger. Don't make yourself believe anything. If you make yourself believe, it's make-believe. Just steady. Enjoy His presence in this amazing place.
wonder with our eyes closed in this very safe place in this amazing church that you all together have created you've created this safety I wonder if you could just raise a hand if, at the, if while I was talking it was almost as if there was a constant voice going on in your head and you couldn't shake it off who told you that? can you just Give me an indication. Lift a hand. Thank you. 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 There are more, but don't worry. Thank you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those whose hands came up. It's still okay to lift a hand. And in Jesus' name, I break that voice. In Jesus' name, I switch the noise cancellation on right now. In the name of Jesus, switch it on now. Cut it out. Now hear the word of the Lord. Hear what you say. I love you. I know you. I've called you. Now let your spirit come. Let him come what we do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just want to pray for those who say, beginning to feel, do you know, I'm not sure I'm in the right place. And, and it's be, just become a constant, <coughs> just a constant worry. And it's kind of eating you up. I mean, it's not just the sort of usual thing, well, maybe I'll change a job or something. It's really something that you feel deeply within you. Again, safe place, eyes closed. Just give me a, there's no one to matter, but I think there are. Just give me a little indication. Thank you, thank you, yeah. Thank you, thank you. There are more. Thank you. <laughs> Takes a bit of bravery sometimes. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would give to those who've had their hands up now a deep, deep rest a deep assurance that you're with them, a deep sense that you are calling them and your purposes will be made clear. Whatever other people may say. Thank you. I pray for some of you who said, you know, I've got this stage of life where, do you know what? It's an end of a phase. I've been teaching all my life or whatever it is. And now, well, what happens now? The end of a stage is not the end of your destiny. And if that's you, could you do the same thing? Just give me a little, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, I pray for each one of those people, Lord, that you would... We don't want to make light of this, Lord. These are difficult decisions. They're difficult times. They're hard times, but you are there, Lord. We believe that you are there by your Spirit and that we minister one to another. That's why this church is growing, because it is a community of people who are helping each other and so fulfilling the law of Christ. Come now, Lord. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished, not I am finished. He rose again to newness of life. Come, Holy Spirit. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Bless you. And now I want to pray for everyone to be filled with the Spirit of God. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Why do we, why do we want to be filled? Why do I, sitting in the finance world as I've done for 40 years and still continue to do, why do I want to be filled with the Spirit of God? What's that got to do with economics or finance? Or a virus? Because we need Him. This is not just some fizzy thing on a, on a Sunday morning in a, in a great church with nice people and great worship. It's every day. I need Him. I can't cope without Him. I need strength. Now we want to praise Him. We want to worship Him. We want to thank Him. And as we do so, we worship Him and we say, Come Holy Spirit. Just say it yourself. Come Holy Spirit. Come, be with us. Take the words that I've spoken. Write it into your own particular circumstance, wherever it is. Come. Say, Lord, I'm sorry I've tried to slot you into the journey of my life. But I'm coming on your journey. I'm coming with you now and to worship you. Let us stand. Let us worship this living God, this amazing God. We praise you, Lord. We thank you. We worship you. We adore you. You are the living God. There is no other name in heaven and on earth by which people will be made whole. But the name of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to some of our teaching here at Trinity. We hope it's blessed you. If you live in the city or live outside of Nottingham and want to connect more with the church, check out some of our practices and pathways on our website. We call them one, few, company, and many. We're passionate about encountering Jesus, becoming like him, and doing the things that he did both individually and in our lives together so that we may see the church on fire and the city come alive. You can find these on our website under the Connect tab. Thanks for listening.